Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, broadcasting live every Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. Central, from Panama City Beach, Florida, home of the world's most beautiful beaches. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone for joining me on my weekly broadcast. Every week, I'll feature some of the best instructors, coaches, authors, and entrepreneurs in the golf business today. I begin with a great discussion on Coach's Corner, followed by an insightful interview with my special guest. So let's get started by introducing tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and just a slight program note change. Uh, There will not be a Coach's Corner tonight. My apologies, I played the wrong intro. Um, instead, I've got uh, a really good show lined up. Um, this evening is actually going to be dedicated to the men and women who currently uh, serve the military and, of course, our veterans. Uh, in order to fulfill that honor, I have uh, canceled, as I said, the Coach's Corner uh, segment in order to make room for this evening's special guests. And I've got uh, a real powerhouse, if you will, on tonight's show, and I'm going to introduce them here uh, in just a minute. Rich O'Brien, uh, co-founder and operations manager of PJ Hope in the Charleston, South Carolina area. And joining him is going to be Sean Matthew Shrum, who is a lead commander center uh, controller at the United States Coast Guard, also in Charleston. And then a little bit later on in the show, after I'm finished with these two gentlemen, uh, Ted uh, Simons, the president and executive director of Patriot Golf Foundation, is going to be joining me. So really, really excited to have all these guys. And as uh, most of you know that you were probably uh, getting ready to tune in last week to hear Rich and Sean and... um, Unfortunately, we ended up having some technical issues and uh, were not able to, uh, uh, to proceed with the show. So I apologize for that, and I will certainly apologize to uh, my guests here in just a moment uh, in person. But um, I want to thank everybody again for tuning into the show tonight. Uh, just a quick uh, program note, the show sponsors uh, of Golf Talk Live is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Uh, iGolf Sports Network is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing top quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most most in-depth instruction magazine, offering insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top PGA and LPGA teacher professionals, all designed to help improve your game from tee to green. So subscribe today to golftipsmag.com. All right, as I mentioned, my special guest to start the show off is uh, Rich O'Brien. I'm going to start with him. Uh, he is the co-founder and operations manager of P.J. Hope in Charleston. Uh, he was a former uh, college uh, golf coach that was uh, also a mental and short game coach for a number of LPGA Tour players. Uh, but uh, a near-fatal accident uh, 11 years ago uh, changed the trajectory of his life when he suffered uh, 50-odd injuries, including eight that were uh, normally fatal. And it was literally by the grace of God he survived and was able to get up uh, literally from his deathbed. We're going to talk more about that. Also going to be joining him is Sean Matthew, as I mentioned, Shrum, uh, Lead Command Center Controller with the United States Coast Guard. They have a very interesting uh, relationship. Uh, Sean was uh, born in Canton, Ohio back in 1960 and enlisted in the U.S. Coast Guard under the delayed entry program in 1977. Uh, he's a devoted to his church, Our Lady of God Council on Foley Beach, and is a member of the men's club, which provides support to many uh, causes. And he's also uh, helping with the uh, PJ Hope program of Charleston as well. So uh, please welcome my very special guests, Rich O'Brien and Sean Schramm. Good evening, gentlemen. Sean. Forward to it. 
All right. I, I appreciate Thanks. it, and I guess it would help if I if I livened your mics up a bit so everybody could hear you. So I apologize uh, for that. I'm glad. Uh, thank you guys, first off, for uh, both joining me tonight. And as I was mentioning to everybody, and I know you heard, um, we ran into or I ran into a little bit of a technical issue last week, and we had to literally – um, the very last moment, I had to cancel the show. So I, I wanted to make quick order and, and bring you guys back and uh, give you an opportunity to come on and, and uh, share uh, a little bit of what uh, you're doing with the PJ Hope program and also a little bit of, of backstory between the two of you. So, Rich, I'm going to start with you. And, um, you know, as I mentioned, you, you obviously were a, uh, a golf coach and, and uh, had worked with a number of different players and that. What drew you to the game of golf? Well, you know, the, the thing about golf was very interesting. I, I, you know, my uncle gave me uh, a lesson when I was age 12, and, and I was always very athletic, and, and, and I found golf to be fascinating. And I just was, you know, so passionate about the game starting out, and, you know, it kind of consumed me from that aspect. And, and after he gave me a few tips, within two years, I, I was, you know, nearly a scratch player. Uh, on, on that side and, and my backyard was like two acres so I, I would wind up spend a lot of time in the backyard not getting any trouble and, and work that way but uh, you know uh, the game became uh, it basically I, I wanted to, to teach golf on there that was what I, I really wanted to do and, and tried to play for a long time as well but uh, the sports psych side and the coaching side is what drew me uh, to the game and, and that's uh, uh yeah, I was a, a coach for close to 10 years uh, on that down in South Florida before moving up here to Charleston uh, where I was running some golf courses. So uh, uh, the golf, you know, creating passionate golfers has been my thing, I guess. You know, uh, it, it's interesting. We all who are, you know, have been in this business for, for any length of time, we all have kind of a similar story. Somebody introduced us to the game, and as you both know, um, this game can be very, very addictive. Um, even when you're not playing at your best, every once in a while you hit the sweet spot on the club and that perfect drive or that perfect approach shot to the green or even the putt uh, that you line up, it just goes right in the smack dab center of the hole and that brings you back no matter how bad your round was for the day. Um, what's interesting, and I want to get into obviously a little bit more uh, in a moment about uh, what happened to you uh, a number of years ago. But before that, I just want to ask one more sort of follow-up question about your, your coaching and your teaching and things like that. Um, you've, you've taught hundreds of players how to play this game. What specifically mm -hmm. did you enjoy the most about teaching? What part of it? Was there a specific area um, that you enjoyed the most? Or was it just the, the interaction and the being able to help people elevate um and do something that they enjoyed yeah well you know for me it, it's being able to take a player's game to the next level no matter where they're at if somebody's shooting in the hundreds have them break 100 they, if they're at 100 get them down into the the 80s even from the 80s down to the 70s and working there i've i was always able to uh, take a player's game to the next level, and it works there. I, I try and keep things as simple as possible uh, and work through, and, and the tips usually have a, a very quick effect. And, and that, that's, you know, the thing that really excites any good teacher is that aha moment when the light bulb goes off in the students' eyes, when they get it, when they start hitting the ball well, when they improve quickly. And, and that, that's really what attracted me all the time. 
Yeah, I, I think there's something – I don't know how to explain it, and I think you, you've obviously done a great job. I think what's interesting about watching the progression of, of a player at any level, whether it's a, an amateur uh, that's you know trying to break um, from a 25 or 30 handicap down to you know even a 10 handicap uh, or even a tour player level, it's, it's interesting to watch the progression um, and how they're able to – um, see their progress in real time. When you work with with some of these players, and you know, from week to week, and and uh, or month to month, and all of a sudden, after a short period of time, you start to see that they're getting what it is that you're telling them. They're actually understanding the message you're trying to speak. Uh, I think there's no greater satisfaction as a coach or a teaching professional uh, than that. And um, so it. It's interesting, and, and you know, obviously, you you had a love for the game, and you wanted to share that and pass that on. Um, but unfortunately, a little bit later on through your career, uh, as I alluded to earlier, um, you actually sustained a life-threatening injury. Um, you were in a golf cart, and you were ejected from that cart, uh, and spent a very long road uh, of recovery. Um, in fact, um, literally from from your deathbed, and. Uh, and that also included a, 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 an addiction to prescription painkillers, which is understandable with those who have gone through severe pain, uh, and also battled with post-traumatic stress um, and went through many, many thousands of hours, in fact, 12,000 hours of, of rehab. Um, and, and you said that uh, one of the things – first up, before I go on, let me, let me say this. Tell us exactly what happened. Let's, let's start there. And then, Sean, I want you to come in because I want, I want you, Rich, to – um, explain the relationship between you and Sean at that point, and then we'll talk as we go on a little bit how it's developed beyond that. But um, explain to us what exactly happened. Um, walk us through the process. All right. So, so uh, late September, September 25th, 2008, uh, we were uh, down at Kashyyyk Golf Course on Kiowa Island, and it's got the second highest point in Charleston. Uh, it's known as Mount Watson. Uh, not many high points in, in, in the low country, but this is the second highest one. And uh, coming in, it was starting to rain, and uh, there's a double switchback hill. It's got a hard left-hand turn at the bottom there, so it's an S-turn. Right at the bottom, it turns hard left. Uh, apparently, I got ejected from the golf cart right at the uh, right at the end there where the G-forces were the most. I go flying off, off and out of the golf cart, um, and there's a two-inch curb at the corner of the cliff path. Uh, apparently, I threw my right shoulder underneath and, and, you know, made full contact with the shoulder. My head and neck snapped around, so I broke my neck and broke my back in two places, C1, C2, L4, L5. Had a basal skull fracture and three other skull fractures. I had brain damage in every lobe of my brain. Of course, my right shoulder is completely obliterated. Uh, multiple strokes, multiple aneurysms, started swallowing my tongue, uh, going through the seizures there, and, and uh, literally died at the scene, uh, from what I understand. Luckily, there was a first responder that worked at the golf course, and uh, within five minutes or so, he had gotten out to the scene and, and took control and, and was able to, to start to revive me on there. Imagine how hard it is with somebody with a broken neck having seizures, uh, to 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 be able to give you know life saving treatment there and and Paul Timidia the, the the first responder that did that 
Um, absolutely amazing. I want to thank all first responders for what they do. Absolutely amazing running to danger uh, and, and, and giving life-saving treatments uh, on that side. Um, then the next twist of fate, as we call it, I guess, uh, they called in the life flight. Uh, I needed to get to MUSC, which was you know, almost 45 minutes to an hour away by car on there from Kiowa Island, uh, not going to make it on that time. They had to call a life flight, and sure. then the life flight wasn't available. So then they called the Coast Guard for an emergency, and that's where Sean comes in there. Um, Sean is was the command center uh, operator there, and uh, I'll let you all take it up from there. So, Sean, you obviously I know you, you remember that very well, and you, you and I talked briefly on the phone last, uh, last week after we, we had to cancel the show. Obviously, we didn't get into the story, but walk from your perspective perspective when that call came in because obviously you you were there when the call came in and that tell us what happened and you know what was sort of going through your mind um during that time wow well um first off i want to i want to shoot in the 70s there rich and then we'll go from there but anyway we'll throw a little (laughs) bit in there and but anyway i mean I mean, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've been with the Coast Guard almost 40 years, uh, 22 of those active duty and I mean, almost 17 of them as a civilian. And um, I worked in command centers. And once you do, you get in command centers, you, you answer those calls that come in for distress. And you, you do a, a gamut of things at command centers from, uh, you know, medevacs, which we did for Rich, and, and taking on water and people in the water and, 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 and all kinds of other things that you can't imagine, overdue vessels, um, you know, people running the ground and uh, being ejected from boats, the whole thing. So when you sit in the command centers for a long time, you have these things come through. But anyway, I was in the command center that day when that, that call came in, and uh, from from the, the the lifeline was not available, so they asked the Coast Guard, which we do all the time, can you help us out in this agency assist situation? And, uh, right. of course, you know, we're going to do that if we can. So they say so. There was a, so what happened is, um, you know, I was on watch that day, and they came in. And somebody, anybody know where Casey Golf Course is? And of course, I've been around Charleston forever, so I uh, worked out at Key One, been out there for so yes, I am. So, so we had the uh, uh, we had the command center crew. I said, yeah, that's where it's at. And what you do is, you know, you you when those situations come in into effect, you know, you, you're like a team and you work. Mm-hmm. You know, we got the flight surgeon's approval. I uh, told him what was going on. Uh, and we knew, I knew, we knew where it was, uh, and we got the helicopter there, and we we medevaced Rich. I mean, when you do that, you know, you never know what you do. You know, we 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 do those things, and we we turn on, we we take care of the case, and then we get them to the hospital with the care they need, and then mm-hmm. it it just shuts off, and then you you go to the next thing, and that's what happened in that that situation. So, you know, that that's what we do in command centers. And if I you know if we go into that and how we got involved, that that's where we're going to go. So, um. Mm-hmm. So Richie, so I wanted to be in. I, I'd heard about the PGA Hope program through through work through the, the guys I worked with and other veterans, and and uh, so right. um, I wanted to get it was something I wanted to get involved in. And then um, what happened is I I emailed Rich, and then probably not ten minutes later, like I told you before, and then my phone rings in the mm-hmm. command center, and Rich introduces himself and tells this story. You know what happened? Wow. I told you know, and all all of a sudden, you know, the, the the hair on the back of my head just raised, and I was like, Rich, I was I was in the command center that day. I was CDO in the command center, and we ran that case, you know, and it was it was just amazing. And from that point, 
you know, and that's where we are to this day and how Rich and I met. So we'll go from there. <laughs> you know, um, you know, Rich, before before we we start into the PJ Hope, which obviously I, I want to give you you guys plenty of time to talk about, and particularly you, Rich. Um, you know, that that's got to be really um, a, a divine intervention, if you will, uh, of some sorts, because of, of all of the people that you connected with, um, you know, that could have potentially been involved. And you didn't know it, obviously, at the time. I mean, you had, obviously, more important things that you were dealing with. You were dealing with your life. But at some point, you realized and, and came, um, you know, figuratively speaking, face-to-face with Sean what was your thought at that point? I mean, here's a gentleman who was at that command center when that call came in and really was integral um, in, 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 in getting things dispatched uh, that saved your life. What were your thoughts? Well, you know, there's actually a good story that goes with that because, you know, the first day that uh, Sean participated with us down at Stono Ferry, where, where he's a peer mentor now, on there, you know, I met with him and, and Harold Hill afterwards, who's also from the Coast Guard, and and uh, we talked for a while, and I thanked them, and we shared a beer, I guess, at that point there, and, and, and working oh, through. But we talked for a good 15, 20, 30 minutes on there, and, and I gave them both a copy of our book, Half Paralyzed, Twice Strong, uh, on there where we tell the story of my recovery in there as well as that of Fred Gutierrez, one of our other co-founders of PJ Hope Charleston. So, you know, it, it's been an amazing thing. But that was the first day we met, right, Sean? Um, it was a little bit after that, I think, Rich, because we, we had gone through the sessions and then uh, you said, hey, hey, I got something really special for you. And that's when you gave me your book and we sat in there because, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's where it was. And it was it was just an amazing um the, the feeling, the, 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 oh man, what you're looking for just the feeling of meeting somebody that you helped, mm-hmm. um, somebody that, mm-hmm. that survived from, from these, these situations that, you know, we run all the time. I mean, you never know. I mean, we know that we save people all sure. the time, but you know, people, people go to the hospital and you never know. And then we, we come, right. we, we come to meet over this, this great program called the PGA hope that, that helps with the veterans. And it's, it's it's just amazing what 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 it means to me and what it, what it what it means to me to be involved with the veteran and rich and the whole deal. I mean, it's just uh, it's been it's been very heartening for me. I've met very very good friends. I mean, it's it's helped me uh, with this program with the PGA Hope just uh, where I am and especially meeting Rich. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just been that's been one of the greatest things to to meet somebody that you helped save. I mean, there you go. I mean, well, it's, it's, it's right yeah. and. And, you know, you know, a lot of times when you look at a situation like this um, that initially starts out as really a tragedy and has a happy ending, um, you know, you, you, it doesn't get any better than that. You know, obviously we all wish sometimes these circumstances would never have happened. But then I also look at the lighter side of it and, and the, the positive upside of it is you two more than likely would have never uh, potentially met and go on to do other great things. And, you know, um, first, I hope, um, Sean, that uh, at that at that meeting um, where you you, where you shared a a refreshment, I hope that Rich was was kind enough to buy that refreshment for you. I hope he bought you that beer um, at that that time. 
or several anyway. But, I, I think um, I did. I wasn't quite. I don't quite remember that. He <laughs> doesn't remember. Yeah, it would be. That would be a convenient time for that for that to happen, of course. But no, I'm I'm quite certain it's it's been paid back many times. But um, so so let's let's fast forward a little bit and let's talk about. You know, now you've met, you, you've had a chance, Sean and, and Rich, to to really, you know, begin a, a relationship, if you will, that, that started, as I said, through a tragic situation, but through the powers of the good men and women in the Coast Guard and, and some fast thinking and fastness on your feet. Uh, lo and behold, here we are many years uh, down the road and you guys are working together. So, Rich, I want you to start and talk to us and share, for just those that are maybe not familiar, um, what the PJ Hope program is um, and then more specifically what it does how it helps uh, through its different programs and outreach and how then we'll we'll sort of get into how you got involved uh, and, and opening up uh, a chapter in uh, in Charleston so let's talk about how PGA hope uh, first off uh, what it does what it's about and uh, how it reaches out to the communities all right so, so PGA hope stands for helping our Patriots everywhere it's a veterans golf therapy program, as we now call it, uh, one of the terms I coined on there, but it helps veterans uh, that are re- want to reintegrate back into society after military service, uh, basically individuals with post-traumatic stress, loss of limbs, traumatic brain injury, paralysis are some of the main uh, challenges faced on there. And of those, you know, one that uh, needs a lot of help, basically, are veterans with post-traumatic stress, especially. We have right. 21 to 22 veterans a day, unfortunately, commit suicide on yeah. there. And, and what, you know, from my own personal experience having PTSD and Fred Gutierrez, his own experience having PTSD, and then Perry Green, our other co-founder, his son having PTSD, that was something near and dear to our hearts on that side. And, and I think previous to that point, uh, the PGA didn't quite really understand the, the, the post-traumatic stress need as well on there. And that's one of the things here in Charleston that we did was mm-hmm. we started to, to really focus on the post-traumatic stress side. We work with the, the veterans, uh, the vet center here in Charleston, which, which is the, the PTSD counseling, especially, and, and working through there. And, and uh, lo and behold, five years ago when we started, um, we wound up having five veterans the first time we did it. Um, but we had a great story in that first first time, and, and, and one that, you know, the veteran that, that made such progress allowed me to share a story anonymously. And that story went nationally for, for the PGA and a lot of other chapters across the country. And a lot of VAs started to take notice kind of what we were doing, and we came the model program here in Charleston. We went from five veterans the first time we did it to 19 the second. Uh, the third time we did it, we had 33. So we had to add a second site. We added Daniel Island. The first one was at Westcott. Next time we had 55, so we added a third chapter. That was at Stono Ferry. Then we went to 90. We added a fourth one at the, at the uh, Naval Weapons Station on Joint Base Charleston. So as we kept growing... We kept expanding, and we became all around the Charleston area. And the thing that really drove the recruitment were other veterans telling, you know, when a veteran had a good time with the program and learned a lot, they told other veterans that it was working, that it was good. Mm-hmm. And and the vet centers did it, and then, then the veterans did it there. So quite amazing along those lines. But, you know, we've, we've been featured. Uh, PGA Hope Charleston has been mm-hmm. featured by CBS Sports 
a number of times now. We're going to have another feature on us coming up in the coming months leading up to the PGA Championship uh, this time here. But, you know, it, it's been amazing to, to see, you know, we've got such a great team with our PGA professionals, especially Perry Green and Josh Wagaman here in Charleston, uh, that, that our team, you know, working through, we're able to get things done and, and, and make a difference in our veterans' lives along those lines. So, Yeah, I agree. I think anything um, that we can do to to help those that have, that have served and have come back, you know, whether it's a physical injury or post-traumatic uh, stress, as you suggest, um, you know, uh-huh. you have to do whatever we can to help them. Let me ask you, you know, obviously, as we, we talked about at the top of the program, you, your trade, if you will, is you were a golf coach and, and you were able to um, use those talents. What made you decide or, or come up with the idea that golf was going to be an, a, a venue or an avenue to help these soldiers? Why, what, what put in your mind golf is something I think could help these folks deal with some of the, the situations that they've had to deal with. Well, you know, as we said, I had my own injuries. I, I had 50 mm-hmm. injuries, you know, uh, you know, more than 10 broken bones and major elements. I, I dealt with serious neurological issues, post-traumatic stress, addiction, to pain meds. Uh, as I did my own recovery, it took 12,000 hours of rehab over close to four years. That's 3,000 hours a year. That's 60 to 70 hours a week at that point, yeah. right? That's a lot of time spending on therapy and exercise and, and meditation, acupuncture. I tried everything to, mm. to find out what worked for me. And, and mm. you know, the amazing thing was that as I found my answer in, in scalp acupuncture and meditation and some other things that way, you know, it helped me. And then Fred Gutierrez, our partially paralyzed friend, who we're half paralyzed, mm-hmm. twice strong with on there, Fred saw me recover, and he said, do you think you could teach me how to play golf? Well, Fred mm-hmm. has paralyzed the entire left side of his body. He had a gunshot wound to the head, you know. Mm-hmm. Paralyzed top of top of his head to the bottom of his foot on the left side. Imagine trying to teach somebody that's you know that you know only only had yeah. half a body to work with that way there you know and but you know I told him I would help him any way I can and uh, he started off he was shooting in I guess over two hundred to start but sometime got somehow got it down to like one forties before too long and then I started working with him and within five months. He was shooting in the 90s, and, and wow. he could walk. You know, he could walk more than 27 holes. And so the idea that we had throughout was he was going to walk 36 holes and shoot in the 80s. Now imagine hmm. going from 130s, 140s down to the 80s in six months or less. Hmm. Kind of an unheard of improvement, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what well. Yeah, and, and you know it raises a very interesting uh, thought here, Rich. You know, when, when we see so many of our recreational golfers who struggle to break a hundred, in fact, the stats are basically fifty percent of all recreational golfers struggle to to break a hundred, and mm-hmm. that's with right. you know two good arms, two good hands, two good legs, and so on, uh, not dealing with what Fred had. It 
it makes you wonder that a man who is basically using half his body is able to shoot you know comfortably in the 90s and walk 27 holes um it makes you wonder maybe we have to rethink golf instruction a little bit you know what i mean because um something's just not working right if we can't get uh, some of our, our you know better off folks out there physically to to uh, do the same mm-hmm. uh, get the same results um right and and exactly on that side and you know the amazing thing was uh, you know march 5th 2013 you know we had the for the glory to god golf marathon and that day, the Golf Channel covered us and, and everything that way. We had 60 to 70 spectators there. Fred goes out and shoots 85-95 and walks 36 holes, eight miles, paralyzed on the left side oh. of the body. It was one of the most unbelievable feats in golf history I've ever seen at that point. And, you know, I was exhausted afterwards because I was his opponent. I was his caddy. I was playing partner. I, I was the PR agent, the whole thing that day on that side, but it was absolutely amazing. And then when the PGA saw our story, they asked Fred Knight to champion the hope chapter here in Charleston. So it's been a, a long road from there. That was, uh, you know, over five years ago now, but, uh, uh well, seven since the, uh, the golf marathon, but absolutely an amazing ride. And, and, you know, very fulfilling to help somebody overcome. And now Fred, right? You know, I mentored Fred, and now Fred mentoring others, and we grew the mm-hmm. the peer mentor program from there. Then, and Sean is now part of that peer mentor program. So, you know, from from that side, you know, the benefits of being a peer mentor might be something good for Sean to describe. Right. So, Sean, let's let's do that. Let's talk about your involvement, how you got. Uh, obviously, you you've become friends with with Rich uh, in. Um, what would typically be an, an un, uh, you know a, a different scenario than than what we would typically uh, see two people getting together? Um, you've formed this friendship and obviously um, you know liked what he's doing with the PJ Hope program. So how did you become involved, and what made you decide to want to uh, to get involved? What made you decide to want to pursue that as as a way of giving back? Well, well sure. I mean. Um... Uh, well, first I wanted to get involved in the program and then I went through the program and then, uh, talked to Rich and the whole deal. And we, we talked about, I asked him about more volunteering opportunities, of course. And because I felt, I, I felt a calling to this, this, this great program. And so I asked Rich, what, what can I do? And he goes, I would like to, for you to be a peer mentor here at, uh, at Stone Ferry. And that's, that's great. I mean, and so I said, I would, I took that on proudly and, and, um, you know, I just saw. I mean, you just you just see these veterans and these guys that you know that uh, that, that you know are PTSD. These guys that you know are in wheelchairs and that come out and they and they they get involved in this game of golf. And I don't think Rich is is kind of went on this, you know, but the paramobile devices that they have, where these guys, you know, that that are paralyzed and that you put them in these carts. And, um, and there's a friend mm-hmm. of ours, George Harold Hill and. Harold Hill and uh, Rich knows who I'm talking about, and you know he George came Thompson. out and, and John, George Thompson, right? Exactly. And he came out, and you could tell mm-hmm. that he was a little bit, you know, he was a little bit shy what was going on. And he got involved in the program. He saw that, you know, there's guys out there that cared about him. There's guys out there that wanted him to do well, and he got in that that paramobile cart, and you know his light, his eyes lit up, and he he was playing golf. You know, he's playing golf again. I believe he he played golf before, if I'm not. Uh, right. mistaken, mm-hmm. I think, Rick. You know, just to yeah. see him and see what what his what he came with, 
you know, the light in his eyes, and he could see that he could play golf, and he had these guys that really cared about him. And that's the thing it is. Mm-hmm. You have these, you know, veterans are, you know, veterans are, are, are just a really cool class of guys. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. we, we, we speak the same language. You know, we we, yep. we we talk the same language, that's for sure. Um, and and we 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 really had this camaraderie as friends, and and we had this camaraderie as veterans. No, no be it where you know, I'm a coastie, I'm a I'm a shallow water sailor, I'm a brown water sailor, I'm a hooligan. You know, all these guys right. going to war, they, you know, the whole oh, deal. You know, and I catch I catch crap right. from that, believe me, because me and Harold both, because the whole deal, you know. But you know the, the right. thing is, is that we all talk the same language. We 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 love being around each other. It's a fellowship. It's a brotherhood. It's a, it's something that is 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 just really special to all the guys that get involved in this. And I mean, it, it's 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 good for my soul. It's good for my heart. You know, and I think I've told that rich before. And and it's just mm-hmm. it's just one of the best things I have ever got involved in my almost sixty years of being on this life on this this this, this planet. Yep. And, you know, then, you know, and I've gone on almost forty years of being, uh, you know, involved in a, in a military organization, and is a is an active duty civilian. And I'm telling you right now, the best thing you could do is, as a veteran, if you like the game of golf and you have that thing, is get involved in the PGA Hope, uh, and and you're gonna you're gonna have a great time, and um, you're gonna meet some great people, you're gonna meet veterans, you're gonna meet guys that you've gone through, and guys that you would, um, you know, there's there's this thing, you know, I would. I would I would I would bleed blood for the, for my brothers and that's something that's in the brotherhood mm-hmm. of the, the military. You know, if you got a, if you got a friend and I got many of them, I will go I will go to war with them, I will bleed with them. I'll go to fights with them in a bar and I'll bleed with them. You know, that's how it is, but um but you know that right. that's what you see in the, in this organization. And I, I you know, Rich Rich and, and Perry and all those people that have brought this and PGA the PGA of course that have brought this to the the the, the folks us our veterans, uh, us, right. to bring this and help us with this is is amazing, and that's you know there's nothing else I can say about this great organization. So I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it and be involved. So and yeah. and certainly as you should, you know, um, Rich. I think you know it was it was said a few moments ago that you know many of these, um, you know, men and and you know of course women who who have served. You know, many of them maybe played golf before they they went out mm-hmm. on on did their tour, and unfortunately, when they come back, sometimes whether again whether it's a physical injury, um, or PTSD or some other um, you know affliction, if you will, that they're dealing with, many of them come back and 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 they don't realize that you know there's a lot of challenges to overcome, but that doesn't mean that they they can't go back and do things. And I think this is really what your program says yeah. to them. Is not only are mm-hmm. we here to help and here to to join in 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 a camaraderie, if you will, in a brotherhood, as as Sean put, but it's also to let them know that you know, yes, there's going to be some changes and yes, some things are different, but you can still go back and enjoy many of the things that you did before, and here's how we're going to do that, and that's really what you and and the other uh, group uh, involved with the PJ Hope done, and I, I want you to talk a little bit about because um, you mentioned and, and Sean actually just mentioned his name a moment ago, um, but PJ professional Perry Green is also uh, mm-hmm. he's the lead uh, instructor there. Tell us about his role. How's he? Is he sort of overseeing everything uh, and working with with the rest of you, or, or what's his? Uh, how is he sort of fitting into things? Well, the PGA uh, 
of America co- uh, sponsors the the Hope Program, and uh, you know when we first started, you know uh, you know Fred and I were championed were asked to champion the program, and in order to have it, we needed to have a PGA professional in order to uh, uh, host the, the clinics that way and, and be the lead professional. And Perry was the, the the one that I had targeted the most because I had known Perry for a while. And Perry had worked with uh, uh, this young gentleman with, with severe autism and had changed his life. And his story was on Golf Channel just about the same time Fred's and my story was on Golf Channel there. So it was a perfect team there. And, and we've been administrators of the program for the last five years. And, you know, we talk. Um, you know uh, about how you know what the problems are, what we need to fix, work through, and, and, and get that way. We 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 developed that program, and since the last few years, you know we developed a, a veterans council as well, where each branch of the service has uh, a branch chief on there, and they they are an advisory committee. And now all of the PGA instructors, uh, the lead instructors for all five of our courses here in Charleston, you know they're on a board as well, so that that we. We're able to to make some good decisions that way going forward, but you know it's been the big hallmark of what we've done here in Charleston has been the teamwork. You know mm-hmm. we work well together. We find a way to get things done. If we need to expand the program, we're never going to turn away a veteran. You know if that veteran is right. going to get help, we'll find ways to to add. You know, playing groups where where we had the the PGA Hope Graduate Card, where the veterans can play all these golf courses for a a veteran honoring rate in the Charleston area, that's now expanded nationally as well. But we've always found a way to to take care of as many veterans as possible and keep them active mm-hmm. in the program because the camaraderie of the game, when you learn how to play, mm-hmm. when you get involved in this program, the camaraderie is the key. And that is what was missing for so many of these veterans for so many years when they right. left the military. Their families didn't understand the experience of having PTSD or another challenge. You know, they had, they had yeah. lost that unit cohesiveness, basically. So the camaraderie mm-hmm. is a great element. And now the, now the VA is starting to understand the value of recreation therapy programs from that aspect, where they can do as much counseling as they can do there. But the camaraderie with fellow veterans is really the key. And, you know, as someone who went through my own challenges and then being, so to speak, the original peer mentor with Fred, that's what I wanted to get to the other vet, to the veterans here so that they, they got that therapeutic benefit themselves of giving back, you know, the 12 step programs from addiction counseling. What's the last Mm -hmm. step giving back by mentoring somebody else. Right. Right. That's where that came, idea came from, and working through. Mm-hmm. So, so that's that's one of the big benefits for a lot of our veterans that have become peer mentors. So, yeah, and and can I, you know, can I? Yeah, sorry, real sorry. Quick? I mean, yeah, go ahead, Sean. You know, yeah. I'm sorry, I don't mean, mean to interrupt, but the the, the one thing that uh, that that Rich said, camaraderie, camaraderie is is, is huge when it comes to veterans. That's all I'll say. You know, the, the the camaraderie is probably the biggest word that if you were probably to ask a veteran, you know, what what is what do you, what did you enjoy most about the, the military? Said camaraderie, you know, the, that willingness mm-hmm. to serve. So I, I'm sorry I interrupted, but that, that the camaraderie was no. a great great word, and that, that that's huge. That is just amazing. So thanks, Rich. That was good. 
Not a mm-hmm. problem. Yeah. Let me just add add something to those. I mean, I I um, you know served a, a period of time, obviously not uh, during wartime, but uh, in, in in military. So I'm familiar with with that term. What what I what I want to point out that I I think a lot of for, for a lot of our regular folks that are listening in that have never been um, you know served in, in in a unit like that. I think what what people don't understand is even though once you particularly if you're in a deployment and you might get spread out from your group or from your troop uh, and dur- you know during a, a, a campaign, there's still that connection because you know your comrades, as you put it. Uh, are there to they've got your back what i think a lot of people misunderstand is when these veterans come home when these military folks come home from their deployments they can't just plug back in and pick up as normal um with their families even though they love their Mm -hmm. you know their spouse and their children they can't wait to see them there's it's not that simple it's a transition that has to happen and i think this is where you know the rest of the folks out there don't understand. I mean, these some of these men and women have served years together. Um, it's it's like working, and I'm not trying to draw the comparison, but it's very similar. If you've worked with a company for thirty, you know, five years, you work with the same people, and you, you know, and then all of a sudden you're retired tomorrow. There's a certain emptiness in your thing. Well, just amplify that many times more with the veterans because now you're you're adding. Uh, you know, more stress and more uh, conditions that are, are very, you know, life-threatening on top of that. So you're relying on those people much more than you would in the boardroom, let's say. So, you know, mm-hmm. when they come back with these different, uh, you know, uh, afflictions, addictions, and, and PTSD and all these other things that go with it, um, they can't just, you know, wheel in the driveway and say, honey, I'm home, and let's just quote and do whatever. There's uh, almost an unpacking, if you will, um, and a re, um, almost a new deployment, I would say, in, in in the general society. And I think that those outside of the military don't fully understand that. And even some in the military are starting to recognize that. So this is why programs like PJ Hope and that are so crucial for these men and women um, to understand that there's people out there that get it, that understand what you're going through, and you need to reach out to these programs for that assistance, and that's what they're there for. And I think, as you put earlier, Sean, this is an opportunity because, again, you've served in in uh, in, in a similar capacity that you get it, you understand that, and you having the ability to give back um, really amplifies the fact that you do understand what these people are going through. And obviously, Rich, you went through your own tragedy, um, not during battle, but. Uh, but you yeah. again know the same the same feelings that you went through. So well, well, understand one more thing. My my father mm-hmm. and my grandfather were both disabled veterans. My grandfather from right. World War One. My father from you know served World War Two. So from the right. family aspect, you know, I mm-hmm. saw the effects uh, of some of the different exactly. things and and, and and with that. So you know, there, there's so the the. The PGA professionals and the people that, that flock to this program to help, you know, ha- the PGA professionals either military themselves or their family is in military. You know, the volunteers the same way on that side. And that, that's a beautiful thing from that standpoint. That's who seems mm-hmm. to be attracted to our programs. We'd love to have more physical therapists involved and, mm-hmm. and, and, and psychological counselors and sports psychologists and, and work in that way there because – 
you know, we need as much help as possible. Right now there are 132 chapters of PGA Hope nationally. And we've got wow. five here in Charleston. Uh, we've got 12, going to be 13 in the, in the Carolina section, but 37 mm-hmm. out of the 41 sections of the PGA are involved, and there's about 3,000 veterans nationwide. Of that total, we've got about 350 here in Charleston. Wow, We're that's a incredible! Huge part of the program from there, but uh, we, you know, as Sean will tell you, we, we we find ways to keep veterans involved, and right now we've got close to fifty peer mentors that are helping us. Amazing, and you know, it, it, it takes it's it's like a family. It's a family effort. It's a team effort, and I think the 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 many veterans that. Uh, are participating in that, I think that's what they appreciate the most is it, it makes, you know, I think the other thing that a lot of, you know, and I hate to use the term regular folks who, you know, go every day to, to a, you know, a different job and, and have not been involved with the military, again, don't understand the mindset. Um, but, you know, everybody in society, we want to have a sense of belonging. And, you know, mm-hmm. as somebody that's been in the military, you understand that and you have that. And then when that's suddenly taken away, whether it be through, you know, completing your service or through injury and you're, you're you know, having to get out, um, suddenly that, that is, is a missing element. And it, it's very hard to deal with. And as you pointed out the stats earlier, I mean, you know, we're losing many uh, of the veterans um, by not being able to, to cope with some of that. So it's, it's crucial to, to reach out to them. And I think anybody, if you know, if you've got somebody in your family, this is a great opportunity um, you know, who has served and, and maybe has come home particularly recently, or even if they've been home for a while um, and maybe you notice that they're, they're struggling at times, this is a great opportunity. Even if they've never played golf, this is a great opportunity for mm-hmm. them to learn something new. And what's interesting about the spirit of military folks is they can adapt to anything. Mm-hmm. And they will rise to the challenge no matter what they're faced with. They just need to know that somebody's there that's got their back when they need it. And I think this is what the PJ hope program does um, for them. I believe that's what it truly does. And, and you should be commended rich and, and, uh, and Sean and all of the others, Perry, uh, Fred. Um, I mean, what an inspirational story, um, you know, that you guys have done and, and that's why it's been successful. And, you know, and, 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 you know, veterans will tell you, you know, they need to have someone that, that cares on that, that right. side, and that's what I think we've been we've done throughout. But as we said, the, the the missing link has been, you know, when someone leaves the military, they feel alone. Well, with this yep. program, you've got somebody that's got your back, twenty four seven. You can call up another veteran. You know who has your back, and that's what the peer mentor program was based on, and that's what comes through. And and it's it's a great lifeline if need be at that point. Yep. Well, and also the, the, the folks that are involved and understand. And, and as I was alluding to earlier, you know, with many of, of families back home here, they don't appreciate it. They just see their loved one has come home and they think, okay, let's, you know, let's pick up kind of where we left off. And that's just not possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even if it's been a short deployment, you know, it changes you as a person. And I think that this is something too that the families have to understand. They have to be kind of retrained to accept that that individual mm-hmm. back into the family, um, and they have to be patient. Uh, patience is a is a you know can be a wonderful thing if it's applied appropriately. And mm-hmm. you know, so programs like this and and others that are out there, 
um, are, you know, are there for a reason, and it's good to see them expanding. I want to, because we only have, unfortunately, a few minutes left, and I promised I would do this. So, Sean, I'm going to bounce this one back to you. And, and uh, again, we, we've got a few more minutes, but um, so you'll have to edit it down a little bit. But uh, a, a good friend of yours, Chris, uh, called in before we went live and, and wanted to, to uh, make sure that I asked you this question. And I'm going to set this up a little bit differently. Uh, as most of you know, over the last several weeks, um, I, uh, I took over Golf Tips magazine. And our first issue coming out uh, on newsstands June 16th is going to feature this particular individual on the cover. And I'm, of course, talking about the late uh, king himself, uh, Arnold Palmer. Um, and according to Chris, you have an interesting story to share uh, of the time when you met uh, the king. Uh, share that. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a great story. I'll make it short, but uh, I was working at the Ocean Courses of Caddy, and uh, when the, the uh, I believe it's the Warburg Cup came through there, the uh, uh, Arnold Palmer was one of the captains, and um, so I worked the range there, and uh, Arnold Palmer, if anybody doesn't know, was a, a hooligan. He's a coastie, so he, he, he came in the Coast Guard out of the force, but anyway, so... Um, so I, I said, hey, uh, Mr. Palmer, one day I said, you and I have something common, in common, you know. And he goes, what's that, son, the game of golf? I said, no, sir, I'm a hooligan, too. And he looked at me, and he goes, you're a hooligan? I said, yes, sir. I said, what do you do? He goes, what are you doing out here? I said, well, I just retired from the Coast Guard, and I this is my dream job. I came out here to work. He, so so him and I got to talking a little bit, and, you know, he uh, he would say, Sean, how are you doing every morning? I said, Mr. Palmer, I'm doing fine. So the last day of the, the tournament, you know, uh, um, he, he goes, Sean, he goes, I want to thank you for your service. I said, uh, uh, Mr. Palmer, I'd like to thank you for your service, too. And um, so Gary Player was the other the other captain. He goes, what? And he goes, Arnold, what are, you talking, what are you talking to the range rat about? You know, so the range rat. So I was working <laughs> on the range. He goes, oh, give this boy some, give this boy some uh, respect. He was a hooligan. He goes, oh, that's what you're talking about. You used to be in the Coast Guard. You were a hooligan, too. He goes, that's right. Give him some respect. So. Uh, so he, he, he took my hand the whole deal, and I had a cap on my head. And so he goes, Sean, you want me to sign your hat? And I said, Yes, sir, I sure would. And he signed my hat, and he he looked at Gary, and he slapped the hat in his in his chest, and he goes, Here, Gary, <laughs> sign the boy's hat, and he does it. It's, it's in my bar, and uh, that was that was my that was my uh, with, with Arnold Palmer. He was a great man, and you know he 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 really uh, you know being in the Coast Guard, and a lot of people don't know that, but he was a it was a bond we had right there, and uh, we. I enjoy talking to him every day. He came by and said, "Hey, Sean, how you doing?" So that's where that comes from. So, and I appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah. uh, thank you, thank you to uh, you, Sean, for sharing that, and thank you to uh, Chris for uh, oh, setting that up to to have me ask that. You know, what's interesting about uh, Arnold? I obviously never had the the pleasure as you did, um, and didn't have him on the show here, but um, I did interview uh, Gary Player and. And you know what was interesting about that particular time in in golf was it really was a a, a gentleman's sport. You know, people like Arnold and, and Gary and and Jack and that they just had a certain swag. I mean, obviously um, nobody had swagger like Arnold did, but they just had a, a certain demeanor. They always, you know, they were always very gracious and appreciative of the people that followed them. And and uh, you know, Arnie. Uh, you know, Arnie earns uh, Arnie's army. Uh, it was a well-deserved honor for him, and I think because he he was so down to earth, uh, and and he would literally you know reach out to anybody. So you obviously had a very special moment, uh, Sean, that you were able to share with him, and uh, I know that's a memory you'll have um, uh, you know for, for the remainder of, of your time, and uh, you, you certainly should enjoy that. And you know, I, I think what I 
yeah, I think what I want to would obviously like to do in in our closing moments, uh, Rich. I'm going to come back to you, and and I would like the the listeners to really take note. But I want you to um, maybe just share uh, some great ways. Number one, how can they learn more about the PJ Hope? Is there a website that you can direct them to? Is there uh, you know mm-hmm. uh, somewhere that you can specifically direct them to? Uh, but also maybe some ways that they can help out, whether it being through a peer. Uh, program or other ways that they could potentially um, help give back uh, to our our military? Okay. Uh, Well, first website to visit would be uh, uh, pgareach.org, which is the PGA of America's website, which has uh, a listing of where all of the different chapters, all 132 of them are across the country, and it even has contact information for each section and each location, who to contact to get involved. And, you know, um, definitely if there's not a chapter in your area, you know, work with a PGA professional to get a chapter involved. Uh, Usual requirements uh, is there's enough veterans to be able to support a program. So you need a city that's got uh, a VA that's got uh, support that way. Get the um, the the vet counseling center is involved. Get the physical therapist involved that way. That that's one of the best ways to do it. Uh, pester a PGA professional to do something if there's not a program already working on there. But you know, if somebody has uh, veterans groups that they're involved with, certainly elicit their help to do this because these programs are extremely beneficial to the veterans, and and we're. You know, we're fighting an interesting battle, obviously, with, with having them have that camaraderie, which has been life-saving throughout as well. Um, and, and, you know, from my personal perspective, too, I, I just want to thank all of our veterans uh, for their service on that side. They are coming from a veteran family, coming from my, my father and my grandfather having been disabled. Uh, I want to thank the VA. I want to thank everybody that way. But I also want to thank the first responders that helped save my life, and especially the Coast Guard, who life-flighted me to the hospital there when mm-hmm. the odds were very low that I would survive mm-hmm. on that side. So I just want to thank everyone that, that paid the highest sacrifice for our country as well as those that that uh, have served throughout as well. Well said. And, you know, just on, on sort of a side note here, just to, to sort of hammer the point home, um, you know, Rich, you, you point out here in, in some of the notes that you sent me that, you know, nearly 8 million Americans currently suffer from PTSD, uh, not just mm-hmm. the military veterans, but first responders and even victims of sexual right. abuse and, and other individuals that have been in traumatic accidents like yourselves. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of folks that are, are in that category and it's um, obviously, we want to we want to focus on all of them, and uh, particularly our mm-hmm. uh, our veterans who who have served and and whatnot. So, it, it's not small potatoes. It's it's a big um, you know it's a big pool of of people to to deal with, and um, so we we need to help get that word out there. So, um, you know, visit those websites, and uh, you can reach right. uh, Rich. You're all you're all over social media, so I know they can find you. But um, <laughs> I'm easy to find. But, uh, Rich O'Brien Golf. Uh, but, but Ted, you know, before you go on that, that side, you know, we've got the veterans program for PGA Hope, but on the, on the civilian side, there's adaptive golf programs that are growing right. uh, very well as well. And that's what my golf therapy site on Facebook's all about 
is to get and connect everybody along those lines. And it's become sort of like the golf wire of adaptive golf on that page. So that, that was why it was created. So if you see somebody that looks like you or has a similar challenge doing something, you might just get inspired. Yeah, and then we got training yeah. available for the pros too. So, Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's another area as well. I mean, you know, many of the pros that are out there are certainly very skilled and talented, but I think it takes a little extra special um, when you're dealing under these circumstances. And I know there's specific things that, that need to be done. And I know that the uh, uh, adaptive uh, golfer programs out there are, are also building momentum. I know when I was at the PGA show in this past January, uh, there was mm-hmm. uh, a, a growing and bigger presence down there than there has been in the right. past. So it's, it's becoming more, um, it's becoming more in the forefront and obviously with organizations like the PGA of America and others um, um, that are using their resources to help bring it to, to front and center. So um, guys, I want to, I want to thank both of you for coming on and, and I'm glad we were able to connect uh, so soon after our mishap last week. Um, but I really appreciate rich uh, for you coming on and you're welcome back and, and you as well, Sean. And very quickly, uh, I, I know that there's something coming up in the fall um, Rich, that you and I were talking about. Uh, let the folks know about that. There's something coming up uh, in the fall. Uh, well, uh, there, there's a few things coming up in the, in the fall. There's, uh, you know, our uh, we're going to have our clinic starting back up in, in, in September on there, but there's an event that's taking place that's the Disabled Rider Cup, basically. It's called the Phoenix Cup, and that event is going to take place this year in Scotland. Uh, one of the dates will be at Carnoustie. One of the days will be at, at Glen uh, Eagles and, and a few sites there, which is the Solheim Cup, the British Open taking place there as well. The Ryder Cup has been there. Uh, and I was selected to participate on that team, uh, representing the United States. Uh, um, awesome. Honored to be selected, certainly, from that standpoint and, and working through. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to go. On there, financially, wow. I've been affected by the by the uh, sure. uh, situation right now, and and working through there, and then our clinics are gonna, you know, with the logistics of sure. coming back from the clinics, it looks like I, I would have to miss like three or four weeks of the clinic. So it, it it's just not yeah. gonna happen this time. But uh, certainly an honor to be selected to that, and and also to be on the National Alliance for Accessible Golf uh, Board of Directors as well. But uh, uh, amazing to see. You know, uh, 12 years ago, I was on my deathbed, uh, and uh, somehow we got up, and uh, we've been able to do some good things. Well, we are, are grateful for a number of things, first and foremost, that you are here. Uh, we're grateful to Sean and his team for uh, being able to respond as quickly as they did to uh, to ensure that that happens. And we're obviously grateful, as are all of the veterans who have not only been directly uh, impacted by the programs that you're involved with, Rich, uh, and all of the, the other mentors uh, that assist you. Um, but you're doing a, a phenomenal thing, and we want to thank you uh, for doing that. And it's been an honor to have both of you on the show. And I know that the many veterans that are uh, tuning in tonight, I know, wanted to hear um, that story once again, and I was glad to be able to share it. So you're welcome back anytime, guys. And and, and good luck with everything. And I know we didn't get a chance, Rich. We were going to uh, try to sneak in um, the fact that you were playing 100 holes the other day. We're going to have to save that for next time when you come on. But uh, 
Thank you, guys. God oh. bless to you both. Thank you very much for, right. for doing uh, what you're doing, and keep up the great work. All right. Thanks, Dan. Have a great night. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, everybody. All right. That was uh, Rich O'Brien, the co-founder and operations manager of PGA Hope in uh, Charleston, and also Sean Shrum, who is uh, is the lead command center controller uh, for the United States, <clears throat> excuse me, Coast Guard, uh, also out in the uh, Charleston and South Carolina area. Um, <clears throat> of course, they're involved with the uh, the PGA uh, Hope. Um, in in the Charleston area. Uh, so for those of you veterans that are uh, tuning into the show, um, you definitely need to reach out. If you're not involved currently with the program uh, or not maybe that familiar, um, you need to uh, to reach out to uh, the PJ Hope uh, in that area or other areas. Uh, you can certainly even Google it and, and uh, find a chapter uh, near you. Um, we're going to be joined here in just a moment. I'm just waiting for him to come on board. But uh, Ted Simons, uh, the president, of an executive director of Patriot Golf Foundation, another organization that uh, helps uh, many veterans out there. Uh, we're going to talk to him here in just a, a few moments. But I want to remind everybody uh, to, uh, uh, as I mentioned uh, a little while ago, that um, recently I acquired um, through my my company iGolf Sports the uh, Golf Tips, <clears throat> excuse me, Golf Tips Magazine, which has been a, pub- a publication now uh, for going on 32 years. Uh, it's been very well uh, received over the years. And uh, lots of great things happening. And uh, my first issue since taking over the magazine is going to be available uh, just in a few weeks, just in time for Father's Day. Uh, so it's going to be on newsstands June 16th. So it's about a week before uh, Father's Day. So if you're thinking of something to get dad um, and uh, you know he's a golfer, even if he's not a golfer, uh, there's some great interesting stories that you'll find within the pages of the magazine. Uh, it's going to be available at uh, obviously – um, with some of the uh, current situation going on with uh, uh, COVID-19 and, and other, uh, obviously, uh, more recent issues. Uh, some of the stores still have not been completely back open, but it is available at many of the Barnes & Noble and also Books A Million and other newsstands. So just check for that. Um, or if you want uh, even a better idea, you can subscribe to Golf Tips Magazine by going to golftipsmag.com, and you can get six issues, which is a, it's a bi-monthly magazine. You can get all six issues um, for the next year for dad, which I'm sure he'll like, would be filled with some great tips, lots of uh, helpful and useful stuff for him to improve his golf game or even start up the game and some great travel destinations that he'll be able to enjoy and, and others in the family as we get ready to um, get things open. But um, you can go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe. It's 1497 uh, for the six issues. All right. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm going to be joined by my very special guest, Ted Simons. He is the president and executive director of uh, uh, the Patriot Golf Foundation. Let me just tell you a little bit about him, and uh, then I will bring him on uh, the show. Uh, the Patriot Golf Foundation is a nonprofit organization dedicated to raising money for and improving the lives of U.S. military veterans and their families through its Patriot Golf School platform. Uh, he's also the co-founder and managing director of Legacy uh, Devco and Legacy Holdings, a uh, U.S.-based impact development investment company involved in energy, agri-tech, residential, and commercial projects. Uh, please welcome Ted to the show. Good evening, Ted. How are you? Hey, good to be here, Ted. How are you? I'm I'm doing very well. We are having kind of a special show tonight. Uh, we're honoring. Uh, Many of the veterans um, and first responders on tonight's program, 
Uh, preceding you, we had uh, Rich O'Brien, who is the co-founder and operation manager of PJ Hope in Charleston. And uh, he was accompanied by a, another friend of his, Sean Matthew Shrum, uh, who is a lead commander at Center Control uh, in the United States Coast Guard out in South Carolina as well, in Charleston. And uh, they're doing some great things for veterans. And I couldn't think of a better way to experience on the second half of the show uh, having you here to talk about uh, your foundation. So let's let's start the conversation this way, and that is, uh, as I mentioned, Patriot Golf Foundation is a nonprofit organization um, which helps raises money and uh, helps to improve the lives of of U.S. military veterans and their families uh, through that program. Tell us a little bit how did the foundation come into existence and what's its overall mission? What are some of the things that you're doing with the foundation? Well, the, uh, the, the basis for the formation of the foundation came from um, kind of co-founder uh, Seth Glasgow, who back in the day was one of my directors of instruction when I was with Nicholas Golf Academies. And Seth, many years ago, had the opportunity to attend the first Patriot Cup, uh, the Patriot Golf Club in Oklahoma, and heard Dan's message, Dan Rooney's message, and was so moved by it, he spoke to you know Lieutenant Colonel Dan that evening and said, you know, we can further your cause. Um, you you have a love of golf. You're a PGA member. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we love your mission here. Um, why don't we put on Patriot Golf Schools and designate funds from those golf schools to go back to Folds of Honor? Um, that happened back in 2011. And if some things happen, uh, they don't move along too quickly. And Seth reached out to me, oddly enough, at the 1st of October when I was making a career transition and said, okay, Simons, here's my deal. I want to really get this going with the Patriot Golf Schools. And it was just perfect timing for me. I, I love the vision. I love the cause. Um, and said, okay, great. We're going to uh, start the Patriot Golf Foundation, and under that umbrella will be the Patriot Golf Schools, and we will do national golf schools and not only designate funds to um, various military foundations, uh, but also involve uh, veterans in each of our golf schools so that we can not just help impact them financially, um, but mm-hmm. also bring them bring them into uh, the game of golf a little bit more fully, and so that's where it started. It started in October, and um, you know, we had uh, an initial event in December, another one in January, and as things unfolded, um, right, our golf schools have been on hold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and as it has, I mean, you know, obviously, uh, I think everybody. It realizes that a lot of uh, good programs like yourself and, and, and many others out there that, that help the, the veterans and, and so forth, uh, unfortunately, are, are kind of have been in limbo for a little bit, uh, you know, while we go through this process. But I, I'm, I'm seeing, as they say, the light at the end of the tunnel. I, I want to ask you before we get into specifically about the schools and that, maybe you can give some of the folks the ideas. Because I don't think, you know, as, as I was talking to my earlier guest, I don't think a lot of the folks really understand some of the challenges and the struggles that many of the veterans go through. Um, you know, obviously, some of them have been affected physically. Some of them are dealing with things like PTSD, 
uh, some of them have both and, and many other, uh, you know, issues that they're, they're challenges that they're dealing with. Um, when you guys put this together, um, obviously you want to help them. What are some of the ways, and I know you're doing it through various organizations that you're, you're raising funds for and that, but what are some of the things that are being done through the charities that you're working with and the organizations that you're working with that do give back directly? What are some of the things that they're doing for these veterans um, that uh, is, is able to help them? Well, you know, in, in addition to the financial side of it, which, you know, when we started this mission, if you will, um, you know, we just wanted to be part of the process and um, provide more funding for all of these, you know, very worthwhile uh, causes that are, are helping our veterans and their families. Um, but one of the things that um, we know is how much golf can help help these veterans, uh, as you mentioned, whether it's physically, whether it's PTSD. Um, mm -hmm. One thing that we've noticed in the schools that we, we have been able to the camaraderie effect of bringing right. in, you know, eight, eight to 10 veterans that have never met one another, varying ages from Vietnam veterans to, yeah, yeah, recently, yeah, um, not retired, but have left the military service under only in their late twenties and you know, be able to spend you know a full day with uh, golf instruction, lunch, uh, nine holes on the golf course, serve reception afterward, and be able to share their experiences and and create something that they've you know they've really lost because of their their time in the service was was such a team, and then they're released and are, are on their own, and mm -hmm. so whether they're good golfers bad golfers, um, it, it didn't matter. The time they spent right. together was, you know, was our benefit more so than you know, making them, you know, a better, better golfer and having more fun. You know, I, and that's an interesting point because, <laughs> excuse me, I think that really for most of the veterans that, you know, um, maybe once played golf before and obviously they were sent out on deployment, um, you know, for, maybe on several occasions or over uh, several years, you know, when they're, when they're coming back and they've, you know, they've, you know, sustained a, an injury or what have you, or, or are now dealing with PTSD, many of them, uh, as you put it, you know, they, they were dealing with a camaraderie, if you will, um, when they were overseas or on deployment. And when they come back, as you said, they're very, very alone. And, uh, you know, I mentioned this earlier on the show with, with my other guests that one of the things that a lot of them, have a difficult time to is plugging back into their families because their families don't truly understand. And it's not even so much the battles that they face because they're trained and they're prepared for that, but they don't understand that they've lost that connection with their, with their, you know, their comrades and their, fe their fellow, uh, you know, soldiers and whatnot. And now suddenly that's gone. So they're not only dealing with the injuries that they have to deal with, which I think most of them are able to deal with uh, quite well, but now they have to deal with that disconnect from their military family, and that's a difficult thing. So when you're working with some of these veterans in the various schools and the programs, would you say that's the biggest challenge more so than their golf game? I don't think they really care. I mean, obviously they want to get better, but that's really not um, to them in the forefront. It's a way of reconnecting and having that camaraderie and having a common goal once again 
uh, and challenge, if you will. They just want to feel like they're part of something once again. Would you say that that's pretty accurate? Um, that's, that's very accurate. You know, you know, but that you know that became a byproduct of of, of how we approach this. So, you know, we look at the heating power of golf because we have a number of of gentlemen and, and ladies that are involved in our our foundation, and they literally mm-hmm. talk about how this this saved their lives. I mean. It got them out of bed to go to rehab. Yep. Uh, it, it allowed them to get back into competition because they were competitive high school athletes or even college athletes, and they lost yep. that competition um, from their injuries. And suddenly golf allows them to be competitive. You know, one of the things, uh, one of the groups that we've aligned with um, is a group, an organization called Vet Ticks, uh, Veteran Tickets, and mm-hmm. you know, they they solicit and have donations of sporting events, concerts, um, society events, you know, you name it. And organizations and, and individuals or companies will donate their unused tickets or you know, even just just tickets in general uh, to vet ticks. And then through their membership, they then allocate those tickets to. Uh, to these veterans and their families. And so we got aligned with them. They're based here in Tempe, Arizona. Um, and you know, for, for, for the vets to get their past, if you will, to come to a Patriot golf school, you know, they have to go online, they have to sign up, uh, they have to commit to a handling fee, which is, I think is around $14. Um, so that when we have these veterans show up, you know, they, we know they're committed. They want to be there. They want to be there to to experience golf, to experience uh, what we're mm-hmm. offering for that day. And so they show up with the intent of, I'm going to come to improve my golf game. And they walk sure. away with so much so much more um, mm-hmm. that, that even I don't think they were expecting. They were just expecting to you know, putt better, chip better, it'll, it'll drive 20 yards longer. And they walked away with seven new friends or ten new friends. Um, right. And that part of it is unbelievably rewarding. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and, and I think you're exactly right. I think we have really an opportunity with, with golf um, because it, it, it's it's unlike any other sport. Uh, I think golf, I mean, has for years, and you know this, being around the industry for as long as you have, um the other sports, as as wonderful as they are, pale in comparison to how much golf has done for various charities, you know, over the years. I mean, there's more golf. I mean, everybody, you know, when there's a, a, a worth uh, you know worthy cause, um, you know, somewhere along the you know the food chain, you're going to find a golf tournament attached to it, and it's just a great way of of getting people out. It's a great game, and in this particular case, when you're dealing with with many veterans who again are struggling and have challenges. Um, both physically and mentally, but and financially, and you touched on that a little bit in the beginning. Um, you know, I think that's even an area that a lot of folks don't understand is, you know, because they know that they're being paid in the military. They, you know, they're they're kind of thinking to themselves, well, I don't understand what what financial challenges. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that and put some perspective on it because it's not just you know paying the mortgages and it's not just the things that that they're dealing with like normal folks are dealing with. Now that they've come home, many of them have other financial challenges that have come up because of injuries and stuff. Maybe you can touch on that a little bit and why it's important that people pay attention to this. 
Well, what we've what we've done is, you know, there. I mean, there's a lot of tremendous charities and foundations uh, that support the, the military veterans. Um, mm-hmm. We tried to, you know, without excluding anyone, but you know, channel our our efforts and our relationships into uh, different groups that support different um, avenues, if you will. So in some right. cases, it could be, say, Folds of Honor and their tremendous charity, which um, supports veterans and their families but by providing uh, scholarships to these children. So whether right. it's even in, you know, from high school through college um, to provide education to these children who you know, honestly didn't have a choice as to the sacrifice their mother or father made. Um, mm-hmm. Others, it could be you know, it could be a uh, an animal uh, you know support group, whether it's Canine for Warriors or uh, any of the other operations that are out there, um, to be able to provide service dogs to these veterans that will you know help them so much uh, you know as they suffer through PTSD and have companionship. So we look at you know we look at different avenues and say okay where can we you know. What groups can we align with and support uh, the Pat Tillman Foundation that provides you know, scholarships you know, for actual veterans? Uh, the Commodity Foundation out of uh, the Southeast that does so many great things. Fairways for Warriors that mm-hmm. is somewhat similar to what we do, but you know, ours is strictly focused on you know, using golf schools or golf instruction to spread our word and, and to raise awareness. Um, so we look to align with certain avenues that um, we know, you know, are maybe a little bit unique in their category. Um, and there's, there's not one group out there, no matter how big they are, uh, from wounded warriors to folds of honor to the rest, um, that cannot use additional financial support um, for right. their causes. And that's what, that's what we want to do. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, it, unfortunately, it's an it's a really a never-ending story because there's always, you know, um, going to be, you know, conflict, and and you're always going to have uh, men and women who who have to serve from time to time in various different conflicts, and sometimes, it, you know, I, I think people misunderstand, you know, when they, you know, when we hear because when you look at it from a, a, an overall picture, as an example. You know, we see these different conflicts and battles that have gone on over over the decades, and I think people are under sort of the misnomer that when when the veterans or when the when the military folks come home, that that's it. They just plug back into family and everything is sort of normal. We all go back to our our daily lives, but what they don't realize is there's a lot going underneath the surface. And as you know, and as anybody that's involved with these different programs, um, unfortunately, there's a high suicide rate. Um, many of these people. Are not able to, and 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 I, I want to clarify things because I think people are under sort of a misunderstanding too. Um, this is not always. I mean, obviously there are some cases. It's not always because of what they've witnessed or what they've seen or what they've been involved in. It's their inability to be able to come back in and deal with some of the stresses that they have dealt with, of course. But sometimes it's just a matter of assimilating back into an, a regular everyday life. That can be challenging, especially when you're dealing with, you know, catastrophic injuries in some case or PTSD. So there's a lot of programs like you're offering and through your foundation that you're connected with that are able to help 
um, these people get through that. And some of the folks that are on your team involved, and I want to acknowledge them and, and get you to maybe touch on them a little bit as well, is through your golf schools. You have a, uh, a master instructor staff and, and uh, uh, some of the folks, Seth uh, Glasgow, of course, was one you mentioned, and Mike Malaska, um, Matt, uh, Mark and Kathy Wood are, are others, uh, Gary Knapp, Dick uh, Drager, uh, Mike Gray, and Doug Roberts. Tell me a little bit about them. What um, what function, obviously, they're there to instruct and to help uh, with that, but I think they play another role as well. Maybe you can touch a little bit on, on how that team sort of come about and what are some of the things that they're doing to help uh, these men and women that are uh, coming to your uh, foundation? Well, we, we've, been a, we've been able to very quickly assemble you know, maybe one of the most experienced corporate golf instruction team that ever existed. Um, the majority of, uh, of our master staff instructors came from the Nicholas Fleck Golf Schools, um, mm-hmm. which back in the heyday was the preeminent corporate golf school uh, you know, everywhere from Desert Mountain to Pebble Beach to uh, you name it, uh, you know, Fortune 500, Fortune 100, Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is you know, this is the golf school that they came to uh, to combine you know, their you know, their management staff and teams with their clients for three to five day experiences. Um, but yes, it was focused on golf, but it was focused on um, team building and relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, so before I jump into the instructors, which I'll get to, you know, but sure. what we do yep. with the golf schools is, so if we have a 24-person golf school, you know, that will be 18 sponsors slash uh, patrons, and that will be six veterans that attend at no charge. And so these veterans are part of you know, this group of 18 executives or 18, um, you, know, you know, profile you know, members of society and of their, of their, of their regions, um, and they could spend a full day with them um, and not only share their experiences back and forth, but create that relationship that even though, yes, we're raising money and we're going to do good things with it and we're going to give them an avenue to, you know, if you will, lose themselves for a few hours in the game of golf and hopefully use that healing going forward, but they're going to develop relationships with three or six or 18 um, potential mentors um, in the business world um, that you know, no one can replace a day of golf um, and to what those relationships are formed. So that's a big part of what we do and this master staff that we've assembled, they did that at the highest level. And when Seth and I started rolling this thing out, we reached out to these members of former Nicholas Flick Golf Schools or Golf Digest Golf Schools. And this is what they did at at their peak. And each one of them went, this is unbelievable. We're going to get the band back together again. Because they enjoy the camaraderie, they enjoy right. you know the relationships that they built, whether it's with Morgan Stanley or Nationwide, you know, or Piper Jaffrey or whomever it may have been in the day. Um, yeah, they still carry those relationships forward, so they understand how much this means not just to the executives or the instructors, but now we're incorporating 
um, the, these military veterans or, or American heroes into this process. And there, I mean, there wasn't a one of them that said, no, we don't want to be involved. So we've right. been able to assemble this unbelievable team. Um, they're, I mean, we're based from Florida to the Northeast to the Midwest to the Northeast or Northwest to California. So whenever we do a national school, we can assemble a team, whether it's you know, three instructors, six instructors, uh, to come in and put on that golf school uh, based on their availability, but also based on you know based on the budget. What are the you know, what, what are the goals of the individual golf school that we're going to be putting on? Yeah, and and you know, again, I think that when you're you're dealing with something like this, having a well um, organized and verse, versatile team put in place that has the experience, has the knowledge, not only from the golf side of things, but for some of the other uh, areas that you're covering um, makes it a, a much easier transition for many of these veterans. And, and, you know, it, as I said earlier, it's, you know, it's very difficult for some of these men and women that come home from um, various deployments that uh, really don't have a place to turn in a lot of cases. I and mean, they certainly do, but are not always aware of it. And it's important that, you know, we get that message out. Um, I want to mention, uh, and I just happened to jot one down here, I know you mentioned you had a number of different events that you had, but uh, you had one in uh, back in February at the JW Marriott uh, uh, Camelback Golf Club in uh, Arizona, and uh, you had a one-day Patriot Golf School. Uh, tell us a little bit about that event, uh, what went on. Give us maybe a, an overview of, of what uh, what happened that day. Yeah, we uh, you know we start with a kind of a if you will an initial gathering you know, kind of a light breakfast, uh, get everybody registered, um, get the release form signed, all that great stuff that uh, is now required and mm -hmm. even more so going forward. Um, right. Make the introduction so the staff knows, the veterans, the veterans know, the sponsors. So we create, you know, a little bit of a team, if you will. Then from 9 to noon, we're out on the lesson tee in the short game area. Uh, we break down into uh, four-to-one ratios. Uh, so mm -hmm. we have three three sponsors with a veteran. Um, in this case, we had more veterans, um, you know, but we had you know, um, you know, broken down so that over the course of three hours, you know, we're, we're from everything from philosophy to full swing to putting, chipping, pitching, um, so that they understood you know, our direction and our philosophy, which is you know, which 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 goes back to. Um, yeah, obviously uh, Jim Flick because of the, the Nicholas Flick Golf Schools, uh, you know Bob right. Koski, um, yeah Jack Grout, which was uh, obviously mm -hmm. Mr. Nicholas's uh, coach for many many years, which is where my mm -hmm. background comes from, working with uh, right. Mr. Nicholas and his academies around the world. So we we explain our philosophy, we you know get an understanding of their personalities and their games. We have a, a lovely one hour lunch. Again, socialization, we're mixing mm -hmm. you know, the veterans with the sponsors, with the staff, um, creating those relationships and bonds. And then we go out for a, a nine-hole playing lesson um, where the staff is able to accompany the players 
and you know work with them on course situations, um, which is which has actually becomes a lot of fun. I get to be the outsider. I'm I'm shooting video. I'm getting interviews. I'm taking pictures. Um, I'm letting the experts do what they do, and I do what I do. And you get to see and experience the, you know, you know just how how much fun these veterans are having, and how much fun the sponsors are having, and how much fun the staff is having. You know, when somebody hits a great shot, or somebody holds mm-hmm. a putt, um, you know, you you understand that you know this is more this is more than the game of golf. You know, it's, right. it's a means to an end, and you know, they walk off the ninth green, and you ask them about their experience, and I, I tell you what, ninety percent the first thing out of their mouth was camaraderie. So yep. it didn't have anything to do with golf. It didn't have anything to do with mm-hmm. you know, what a great time we had, a lovely golf course, wonderful food. Thank you so much. It was the camaraderie that they experienced by having this new association with other veterans. You walk away going, okay. Job done. <laughs> yeah. Well, Teddy, you know, the thing the thing that's interesting, and I, I've always said this, you know, I, I've taught uh, for 25-plus years, and, you know, I've always looked at, at you know, I, as you do, I, I love the game, and I have a, obviously a different perspective than, than maybe somebody that just goes out and plays recreationally. But as a, as a teacher, you know, coach, and that, I, I look at golf as really a vessel, and that that I've learned to use over the years to really deliver you know a, a message in one way, and I use it in you know try to in a fun and creative way. And the the statement that you you just made about what the the majority of feedback that you're getting kind of fits nicely with that because you know obviously they're out there to, to you know learn a little bit about the golf swing or or how they can uh, you know make changes or adjustments. Um, to, you know, to suit their specific uh, challenges. But really what, what most people get from golf is that camaraderie, if you really want to boil it down to something specific. And I think by doing what you're doing and working with the various foundations and organizations out there and charities that um, you're able to, to help, uh, you know, uh, provide funds for, Let's these people know that somebody actually out there really does care. I mean, they I think they know deep down, but I think that sometimes they forget because they've been away for so long, and and um, they just want to to get out there and interact with everybody once again because they're used to doing something in a different fashion than the rest uh, out there are able to do. And uh, I, I applaud you and, and your team and, and all of the the support staff that go along with it that that do what you're doing. And uh, I think that's great for somebody to step off the ninth hole or or what have you and and make a statement like that is a testament to your foundation. Oh well, thank you, thank you. I mean, it's 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 so rewarding to you know, again just experience to to look at their faces to hear their excitement about you know their the time they spent. Um, you know, some of them took. I mean, they they took time off from a paid job to come. Yeah. So, I mean, they made a personal sacrifice to come. Some are retired, mm-hmm. some are currently working. Um, but I mean, there were, there were a number that took time off from their paid job sure. uh, to come, to come and spend that day. And it was an honor for us to be able to give them that um, and provide them with, you know, a shirt, a hat, a pen, um, send them away with, 
you know, something that they remember their day with, you know, email and mm-hmm. pictures of the group and some of their, some of their shots and, and some of their experiences, you know, so that they, you know, this will become hopefully part of their memory bank that, you know, we really truly do care about them, want to support them, want to help them. And if we can make a difference, you know, in one lives or a thousand lives, I mean, I think mm-hmm. our, our job is well done. Excuse me. Well, you know, it, it it starts with one. That's the the that's the trick. Is it starts with one, and then you know, then it becomes two and three and 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 so on. And you know, really, I think what you're really doing in so many ways, and and a lot of times I don't think people uh, appreciate that is you're really creating a memory for these people that they will never never forget. Um, you know, they're they're coming over with and dealing with so many cha- challenges in their everyday lives. They've, you know, as I said earlier, they've served their country and, um, uh, you know, faithfully. And and uh, sometimes they may not come back with a physical injury, but they're dealing with PTSD. And, and that's a, a whole another mess that they've got to deal with. And it's very tragic. I've met many uh, soldiers and, and veterans who, who suffer from that. So I know full well what, what it can do. And, you know, for, for a lot of folks that are out there that are dealing with that, you offer something through your foundation, uh, a way of, of really reconnecting with um, other veterans who have gone through meeting new people. And it gives them a sense, you know, even just coming up for that one day, leaving work and that it gives them a sense of purpose for even if it's just for one day and it gives them the feeling that they take away that, you know what, I can do this. I can get back and enjoy something, you know, for those that maybe had played golf earlier, uh, or even if I never played it again, it, it lets them know that they're still um, the same person that they were before and that there's people out there that are reaching out to help them in their time of need and helping them and giving them assistance where where needed. Um so it, it sends a very strong message, and I guarantee you it resonates with every, each and every one that goes through your program. Well, it, it, and it also, it also resonates with, again, the, the sponsors or the patrons that sure. are there participating side by side. So, I mean, yep. you know, all of us get consumed with what's going on in our world and in our daily lives you know, before you know, what's happened over the past you know, three, four months. Um, right. And so for... You know, so for all of these you know, gentlemen and ladies that have been part of participating with us and to be able to spend that time with the veterans and to walk away going, you know what? I've heard about it. I've read about it. But now I finally, I, I really got a chance to experience it. You know, right. I got, to, I got to listen to them open up and express what they go through on, on a daily basis. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the first one to stand in line. I did not fully appreciate, you know, what these veterans are are coming home to and and how they deal with it. And so the more we can share this experience, um, and it's like a pyramid, you know. So you've got 18 18 participants, you know, and that becomes 36, becomes 72, becomes 144. Mm -hmm. You know, it just starts to to spread that, that message that these are what these you know, gentlemen and ladies are going through and what they've done, what the sacrifices they made for us and their children have made for us. 
um, their families. And if we can just raise awareness, money's unbelievable. Obviously, helping the the veterans through the heating power of golf is unbelievable. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, overall, if we can be part of raising that awareness that can get lost in the shuffle with whether it's the economics of the world or or whatever may be going on, you know, what the veterans are going through and, you know, not discounting by any means. I mean, you know, the first responders, we want to morph into including first responders into our efforts as well because they're every bit as patriots as as the military veterans you know it, it it's interesting i was i was thinking uh, a moment ago um and un- unfortunately the name escapes me at the moment but um i i remember speaking with a gentleman who who has served for for many years and came back and and uh you know has as many uh, issues that he's had to deal with and I remember him sharing a story of him going to his his physician for uh, for a checkup, and um, he hadn't you know been in a few months, and he went back, and he shared the story of how he went to something very similar to what you're doing, and his doctor said you know he, he didn't realize at first what he had done, and he you know explained to the doctor. And he said, you know, you're different than the last time I saw you. And he said, I went out and just the things that very things that you're talking about. Um, he said, I, I met others who uh, shared the same experience. I met new people. I made new friends, um, people that I probably would have never met. And I went out and it was, you know, a day, two days, I don't recall now. But um, and he had an experience that really altered the way he looked at things. And he still had challenges that he had to overcome and he still had to obviously uh, get some medical attention and things like that. But just that short, brief experience of a, of a day or possibly two um, changed the direction of how he was viewing things um, from what they did before. So the power of what you're doing definitely works, and there's many, many people out there that can share that story. And you're right, we have to spread that word, and that's why you know I do the shows that I do um, for this particular uh, topic is because I want people that are tuning into the shows to really understand uh, it's not just the physical, it's not just the, the, the mental injuries that uh, are, are afflictions that these people are dealing with. It's even the difficulty of trying to plug in when they come home. Um, I, I just don't think people really fully understand that. So there's so many different challenges that they're faced with. And, um, you know, those on the outside need to really understand that. Um you know, we, we touched a little bit, and you, you mentioned uh, a few moments ago about, you know, our current environment out there with, with the pandemic and that. And obviously, um, you know, you, you led up to a number of different events and stuff. And obviously, I know you had more planned, and they've had to kind of go on the back burner, at least for the time being. Um, what is sort of the current status? What has, um, are you sort of seeing a light at the end of the tunnel in the next uh, few months coming up? Have you got some things planned that, uh, uh, you know, schools that are going to be, you know, re, um, you know, shifted around from earlier dates, or, or where's the status now with the foundation? Well, we're, we're lucky enough, if you will, um, to be a young organization, so uh, we didn't go into this with a, a lot of overhead, a lot of right. staff, and all of those types of expenses. So you know, we were able to scale back very quickly and uh, mm-hmm. although painful, you know, easily. Sure. Um, so, you know, we didn't really have any negative effect on, on the foundation per se. 
Um, you know, going forward, it's you know, it's it's a it's a moving target right now. Yes, golf right. is back. Golf courses are open. You know, however, um, you know, how many people can you have in a group setting? Um, mm. You know, for the golf schools to work, you know, there's a certain mass to. You know, our goal is to raise sure. money for other foundations, so you have to have a certain mass of sponsors or patrons, if you will. Um, right. to make it you know, a meaningful donation. Um, and each course is different. Each club is different. Each state is different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are some states that are obviously more open than others, um, but week to week you don't know where that spike's going to come and if we're going to get the spigot turned back off. So you know, right now we are working very closely with our master staff um, because they're spread around the country. They're kind of our boots right. on the ground to say, this is what's going mm-hmm. on in New Jersey or Florida or Oklahoma right. or Arizona or California. Um, here's here's some clubs that are um, receptive. Here's you know what we're seeing, you know the vibe of the community as to you know potential sponsors and supporters of this initiative. So right now we're we're you know, laying the groundwork. We're you know putting together skeleton programs of one, two, and three day schools. Um, in the meantime, we're also making sure we've got, you know, we have all of our updated release forms. We've got you know, right. sanitizers. We've got all the precautions that, you know, you need to have as as responsible, you know, stewards of, you know, of sure. America. Um, you know, doesn't matter what you think of the pandemic. It 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 is real, and we have to, you know, we have to make sure that, you know, if you want to use a sanitizer, we have the sanitizers. If you want to use a mask, we have a mask, okay? You, know, you can choose yeah. whatever it may be, and there may be rules that we have to abide by at a certain club or a golf course. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, I mean, I sent a, a survey out to our, all of our staff in the last couple of weeks, you know, just you know, basically asking simple questions. Are you comfortable traveling? Are you comfortable uh, in a rental car, in a hotel, teaching in a group right. setting, at a reception? And 98% came back you know, unequivocally. Absolutely, let's let's get to, let's get going. We're ready to go. Yeah. Um, there's a couple with other. You know, there's concerns. Sure. Um, and I re- and I respect that. Um, we all come from different viewpoints and um, you know different sources of information. Um, mm-hmm. But no, we you know we're you know, we're staffed up, ready to go, and it's really. Now we're in the throes of summer. I think it was only 109 here in Scottsdale, so it's kind of a balmy day for yeah. us. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so now we're in the throes of summer. You know, now we're you know, shifting from the southern states to the northern states, and you know, where are they at um, from right. um, phase one, phase two, phase three? Um, but no, we're we're ready to go. Uh, we you know, unfortunately had to. Uh, postpone our big April launch, which was at the Patriot Golf Club in support of the Patriot Golf Foundation, which was going to be um, a, a three-day sc- golf school, including you know, Mike Malaska you know, and, and mm-hmm. others to you know, really you know, blast this thing you know, off and, and create some momentum behind it. And you know, we're, we're coordinating now with the Patriot Golf Club to find available dates and when the weather in Tulsa is acceptable. And we're, uh, you know, we're, we'll get that one organized and on the map for sure. 
and then start uh, then start laying out some one and two and three day schools elsewhere. We we now know that you know we provide a a new and unique fundraising opportunity for you know all of these foundations that have been right. that, that have been hit that have been hit you know financially um, mm-hmm. through this through the situation we are going through. Um, so whether it's you know, whether it's service animals, whether it's scholarships, whether it's another initiative, you know, we, we can come in, you know, basically white label and provide a new fundraising opportunity for you know, virtually any foundation that's out there um, that they wouldn't otherwise realize. I mean, you can have a tournament, you can have a marathon, you can have a dinner and a raffle, um, but we're really the only group that's out there doing Patriot Golf Schools. Um, as a focus, and you know that's unique to them, and we can incorporate new sponsors, new new patrons, and especially incorporate the military into into the full activity. Hmm. Um, let me ask you. Um, we're getting close to to having to wrap up, but I wanted to ask you this question, just sort of to follow up on on what you were talking about. How quickly, you know, obviously, you uh, again, like everything, you have to kind of adapt to our current environment, but um, what kind of notice do you need? Like if you wanted to um, bring, to, you know, bring all the resources to bear and have a tournament, let's say, in two, three months' time, how much leeway and how quickly can you, you know, can you put that together? So if you had something sort of planned, it was canceled, um, once you've gotten the go-ahead, how much lead time does it typically for you to get everything organized uh, in order to put things in place? Are you at a point where it's a pretty quick turnaround once you have the go-ahead, or is it something that you need a, a certain period of time to, to to get all the sort of ducks in a row, if you will? No, we could we could we could do it as quickly as thirty days. Um, okay. But you know, best case scenario is sixty to ninety days. Um, sure. But yeah, you know, I, I I've always been in the solution business. Um, right. Somebody came to me and said, <laughs> yeah. you know, "Hey, love what you guys are doing. We have an opportunity in two weeks. This is what we want. To, this is what we want to roll out. Guess what? Tell me the number of players. Let's put this deal together. I will. I will find the coaches. All right. right. I will find the coaches, and we will put on a first class event. Uh, whether we've got six months to plan or one month to plan." Um, I, my background is more on the marketing side of things, so yeah, mm-hmm. the, the brand and and how we're portraying the brand and the experience um, is first and foremost uh, as to what you know we want to put out there because that then you know that then follows over as to you know what we're portraying to our veterans and you know and the and the other charities and our sponsors, of course. Sure. Yeah, and and obviously right now there's a, a lot, of, still a lot of uncertainty. Even though, as you mentioned, uh, you know, a little bit ago that you know things are slowly starting, people are getting out and able to play golf, and you know some companies are are able to reopen that. It's still it's been a very slow process, and it it's been very difficult for many. And um, you know we we don't know what the immediate future holds. We have to kind of wait and see. So it it's kind of a standby right now for many organizations, particularly like yourself, that want to get out there and, and raise those funds. And um, now in the meantime, are there other ways that that you know listeners could help? Uh, you know, uh, do you 
accept direct donations for, for different uh, aspects of the foundation that if somebody wanted to donate, let's say, to the Patriot uh, Golf Foundation without actually having to attend an event, is there that opportunity as well? And if so, how do they go about doing that? Oh, ab- absolutely. Yes, they can uh, go to our website, which is patriotgolffoundation.com. Um, there's a, a very visible donate button there, and they can uh, choose select amount or um, you know, can designate whatever amount they want, whether it's a one-time only or reoccurring. Uh, you know, we also are actively seeking, although quietly right now, um, you know, full sponsorships, corporate sponsors um, at different right. levels to um, help to really, if you will, you know, get us moving to the next level. Um, mm-hmm. But again, you know, we're patient. Um, you know, we don't want to be that guy that went out of the box too soon and right. you know, created, created a situation that you can never walk back from. So um, no. we'd rather be cautious, even though we're not doing what we, what we prefer to be doing, which is uh, you know, coaching golf uh, to veterans and mm-hmm. raising money for veteran organizations. Um, but you know, we also want to make sure that we're good stewards and are you know, playing by the rules as, if you will, painful as they are, because you know, it's yeah. a moving target. We don't know from Oklahoma to Florida to New Jersey right. where we add on any given week. Yeah, and, and you're exactly right. We have to, you know, we have to look at the big picture. And, and as much as, you know, we're all getting a little bit stir-crazy and wanting to get back out and, and to have some sort of normalcy, we have to obviously be, be good stewards of, of our health and, and those around us. And and uh, I, I know things will change around um, sooner than later, but it's just a matter of being patient. We have to do what we can to help one another. And, and hopefully, um, you know, our conversation tonight will will open some eyes and some some ears and and uh, maybe even some wallets and uh, and help uh, yes. certainly some worthwhile causes out there. So again that um website is uh, patriotgolffoundation.com. Uh you can go and visit, you can donate directly there if you want to help out and uh you can also reach out to uh Ted Simons, the president and executive director of Patriot Golf Foundation if you want to uh uh, see how you can become involved with their organization, helping some of the various men and women out there that uh, have served in the military. And and uh, we don't want to certainly forget the first responders out there that do uh, equally get out there and, and are challenged. We want to let you know that we're thinking about you as well. But Ted, I want to thank you for, for coming on. Um, I think this is the first time I've had two Teds on the show, uh, one hosting and one a guest. And that's uh, I think that's a first. But uh, two Teds are, are better than one, I always say. So, um, but... but uh, uh, you know, it, you can tell I'm getting tired. It was, it was, because I'm... It, was, it, was the, it was the ultimate <laughs> TED talk. <laughs> That's right. Um, Ted, thank you very hey, much hey, and, for hey, joining congratulations me. On golf. Congratulations on golf tips. Uh, I had a long, long association with golf tips going uh, way back to Dave Brennan when he was the publisher. And uh, mm-hmm. so I know the publication well, and uh, I know you will serve it very well. So congratulations. Well, I, I appreciate that, and, and on that note, I'm going to remind everybody, uh, especially with Father's Day, or maybe you've got a, a favorite um, um, member of your family who served, what a great opportunity to, to give him a gift to help uh, spur that, that those golf juices, if you will. You can go to golftipsmag.com 
and uh, you can actually subscribe today. And uh, the first issue that I'm involved with is going to be hitting newsstands in a couple of weeks, uh, June 16th. So uh, it's going to be available at uh, newsstands uh, virtually everywhere. So, um, But thank you very much, Ted, as I said. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, continue up the great work. And uh, don't hesitate to reach out if I can help in any way. All right. Thank you for your time, Ted. We appreciate it. All right. Not a problem. Thank you very much. All right. Have a good evening. Okay. All right. Good night. Okay. All right. That was Ted Simons, President and Executive Director of the Patriot Golf Foundation. Uh, I want to say a special thank you. And again, go to PatriotGolfFoundation.com. Uh, all of the information is there. And I also, once again, want to uh, say thank you to Rich O'Brien, um, the uh, Operations Manager and Founder of the PGA Hope in Charleston, South Carolina, and also uh, to Sean Matthew Shrum, uh, Lead Command Center Controller. Um, in Charleston as well at the United States Coast Guard. Sean obviously uh, helped um, make sure that Rich was still around and able to do what he's doing today. So we appreciate uh, his service with the Coast Guard and we appreciate what Rich is doing now, uh, reaching out uh, to so many veterans out there through the PJ Hope program out in Charleston area. So thanks guys for joining me tonight at Golf Talk Live. Uh, We will return to our normal schedule next week with of course the Coach's Corner panel coming back and uh, another special guest. I hope you'll join me. God bless everybody. Thank you for tuning in tonight to Golf Talk Live, and I'll see you next week right here on the network at Golf Talk Live. God bless. Thanks for listening to this evening's broadcast at Golf Talk Live. Remember to tune in each week at blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live. If you can't join us live, check out the on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts or listen on any of the following social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course, Spotify. To get updates on future shows and upcoming guests, be sure to visit the show's Facebook page, Golf Talk Live Blog. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO. Remember to join me live each week for another great broadcast of Golf Talk Live. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.